I'm sorry. I have to say this. I don't know if I'll ever see you again. What? I was an orphan. I grew up in Pennsylvania. In a whorehouse. I read about Milton Hershey and his school in Coronet Magazine or some other crap the girls left by the toilet. And I read that some orphans had a different life there. I could picture it. I dreamt of it. Of being wanted. Because the woman who was forced to raise me would look at me every day like she hoped I would disappear. closest I got to feeling wanted was from a girl who made me go through her John's pockets while they screwed. If I collected more than a dollar, she'd buy me a Hershey bar. And I would eat it alone in my room with great ceremony, feeling like a normal kid. said sweet on the package. It was the only sweet thing in my life. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? My fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 18, Mad Men Season 6, Episode 12. In care of. And so, before we jump in to the show itself, let's uh, go through some of our talking points. Uh, you can now follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Greatest Pod on Twitter. <laughs> we're ma- we're doing it. We threatened to get into this game. Has there been any activity on that? There's been a few tweets. We have like maybe ten followers. All right. So get in on the ground floor on that one. We're not going to fill up your timeline because there's been <laughs> <laughs> there's usually only tweet when we post the new episode. And uh, we are available on iTunes, so subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends. You can still find us on Podbean, and that's pretty much it. Downloads really taken off <laughs> since the move to iTunes. A little bit. I mean, we're still you know in the early stages of development yeah. for a show i think getting ready to launch the uh, companion podcast uh the worst moments in the history of forever <laughs> some would argue that, <laughs> that that would be unnecessary and, <laughs> and maybe redundant <laughs> all right so for this episode i think uh matt's gonna take the lead stick a little bit <laughs> gripping onto the chair <laughs> so, so this is this live read over here yeah, I mean, I think like probably some people who listen to this show might think that, you know, I hog the mic time and take it up, but it's like, I mean, really. Yeah. I, I <laughs> if I wasn't talking, there'd be some Oof. dead air. <laughs> yeah. But right. we're going to, every now and then, Matt might need to take the lead. So uh, let's hear what you have to say I'm about pretty, Matt. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this episode. Um, well, I think that one of the reasons that this episode really jumped out to me was. Uh, we talked about obviously doing an episode of the show. We're both big fans of it. And I had just watched this episode a bunch of times. It always kind of resonated with me as being kind of like a good encapsulation of everything that makes the show great. Like it's funny. This episode is like funny. It's dramatic. Like there's big moments. There's kind of a lot of plot twists and turns that maybe don't seem like major in the, the age of television shows like Walking Dead and uh, Game of Thrones, which kind of rely heavily on death 
character deaths as being like the big moments, but I feel like Mad Men subtly has big moments, even though, it, you know, people aren't dying, but like they're as dramatically effective. Um, this episode starts off with Stan kind of approaching Don about wanting to take this position in California. And he has this whole pitch to Don where he's picturing like, this is his chance to like kind of start his own business and Don kind of like shrugs it off like you don't really know what you're talking about. Now, California's kind of been brought up throughout the show a few times. And like, I, I like people's idea of California, like just this, I don't know, people look at it as just this kind of like vivacious, like place of opportunity. I, there's this moment in, uh, I don't know if it's season five, but whenever Pete has a relationship with uh, Rory Gilmore, <laughs> I don't know if you remember yeah. the chicken met Alexis on the Split tr- Yeah. Uh, so the, the, there's a part where he's like, you know, confessing his love for her and like trying to get her to go. And he's like, I've been to California, <laughs> like acting like we can go. So I, this is like, like the first glimpse that we kind of get of it from Stan's perspective. But Don kind of like shoots it down. But, you know, as we'll see throughout the episode, <laughs> many characters want to jump on this. Well, yeah, I mean, he takes that plan and makes right. it his own Yes, so over we, time. Yeah, we kind of see Don's like shady character. Yeah, I mean, California is like uh, the symbolic land of dreams and opportunity and it holds like a special place for don because of uh his connections to some people there right and it's really kind of like a metaphorical kind of place where the characters can just like get a fresh start and that's kind of like what is discussed a lot in this episode yeah i mean there's a there's an episode earlier too where uh don and pete and roger i think are all in california and I don't know, Don's just, they're just, like, at, like, a house party, and it's, like, swingers, and <laughs> Don's just, like, make, like, some chick just, like, walks up to him and starts making out with him. And then he, like, passes out in the pool, and Roger has to give him, like, mouth-to-mouth to resuscitate him or something. Like, Yeah, I mean, Don has this level of calm and relaxation in California that's completely different from his demeanor in New York. Yeah. One of the things that stands out to me, too, which... You know, spoiler alert, this whole thing builds to Don being fired from the agency. But I didn't really, as this was unfolding, like... I noticed that in a lot of our episodes, we say spoiler alert before we say something. I think we... we yeah. I mean, I'm. it's mostly me yeah, guilty of doing it. But I've been thinking, like, maybe we don't need just, to do that. Yeah, I know. It's just, like, habit. But, I, I mean, yeah, I, it's not like... I mean, what are people going to do? Like, shut it off right before I say it? I literally say it right after. Well, plus, the whole thing is us describing every single thing that happens. (laughs) Anyway, continue. Maybe it should be like full disclosure or something. It's just like, if if someone didn't want it spoiled, they wouldn't have time to shut it off. Well, yeah. Also, I mean, just in general with our show it's not really something you should listen to if you don't want if you don't want something described to you in detail and (laughs) and talked about like there's really no point in listening to this now that doesn't mean you need to have seen everything that we're going to talk about because you might not care about spoilers but you know anyway proceed continue Um, so there's this i didn't notice this until the next season but there's this episode earlier in the season where uh they merge agencies and they have to change the name from sterling cooper draper price which don points out several times that he started that company basically and uh when they change the name they change it to sterling cooper and partners so the the logo now is no longer scdp it's sc and p and like watching it after you know what happened you're like oh like, yeah very subtle yeah, thing there like removal <laughs> uh, the draper removal so we kind of have this thing that's been building this season with uh peggy and ted and don's taken notice of it and doesn't like it i don't know he starts sabotaging meetings with clients and it's pretty bizarre yeah he's like in a weird way he's he's definitely like uh territorial over peggy and protective of her even though he doesn't necessarily share ted's sexual interest in her but it it is strange though i was actually thinking this just on this last watching but like throughout the course of the show peggy does end up banging like every don adversary because like early early in the run of the show it's kind of like pete like pete like tries to expose him for not being who he says he is and then like that duck phillips who he like hates she like bangs him at some point and then i forgot yeah (laughs) and then ted is like 
originally introduced as like supposed to be like a rival of his. Right. So like they've got this relationship developing and, and Don doesn't seem to like it. And it's kind of seemingly one of the reasons for a lot of his self-destructive and uh, company destructive behavior throughout the season. And uh, Ted is like the Don who just doesn't have the balls to like go through with being a complete yeah horrible <laughs> animal. Yeah, I mean... He's actually, like, he's a far less compelling character and far less interesting, but, I mean, he's probably, like, a way better person. We don't care about him as a TV character, but he is just, like, a good dude. Yeah, I mean, whereas, like, Don is, like, a big-time philanderer sleeping with tons of women. Like, this is, like, his one... Ted's like one indiscretion, right? And he only lets him go himself really fall off like briefly. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's he, like, and he's not a drinker, and he's yeah. you know a pretty good father from what we can see, and blah 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 blah. You know, he's just kind of like the polar opposite. Yeah, so that like gets out of order a little bit because first we have Don's like moment where he realizes that he needs this California change. When he's skips a, a meeting with a client to go to the bar during the day in a Dr. Chalice-esque fashion <laughs> and punches a minister or something. Yeah, there's uh, a guy trying to spread the word of the Lord in the bar and uh, we don't actually see the punch. We right. just cut to him in jail. Which now I always was wonder, the- what is the thing that offends Don? He's like he just had, it just, just stirs a memory of that guy that was in the brothel. Because he's like Kennedy's uh, dead, Martin Luther King, Vietnam or whatever, and the guy's like, "There's not one true believer in all of them." And he's like, "What the hell did you just say?" Not sure. Yeah. Probably the implication that something about the people in Vietnam, yeah. or something. I don't know. Maybe yeah, because the war connection. Um. Now, does that take place? That takes place before the late night phone call from Betty. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I was reading through some stuff and... Okay, so kind of just to jump around. Like, yeah. He's in bed with Megan, his second wife, and they're sleeping and the phone rings and it's Betty, his ex-wife, January Jones. Who doesn't get like a ton of like great scenes in like the second half of the series. But this yeah. is like a pretty good one. And she's calling to inform him that their daughter got in trouble with the private school that she's at. The Is it a boarding school, I guess? Yeah. And she just can't stay out of trouble. So Yeah, and she's now acting out because she saw um, Don cheating on Megan with uh, the, na- the uh, upstairs Velma neighbor. from the live-action Scooby-Doo movies some of the stuff i was reading it was like making it was kind of the writer was almost coming to this realization as they were writing it at least that's what they said is that that is like both literally and symbolically like a wake-up call yeah (laughs) for don right but like that's you know that because he obviously has a lot of guilt about what happened not because he cheated on Megan, but because his, <laughs> his daughter, daughter saw it. it. And he knows that what Betty's saying isn't really true. That she's not acting like that because she comes from a broken home. Yeah. <laughs> which is the overdramatic response from her. <laughs> it's it's more so, you know, completely Don's fault, at least in this instance, probably. Right. Or at least that's the way he feels. And so that coincides with his drunken night basically that's seemingly maybe even the next night it's like all close together there yeah and uh so he he's like the first person to kind of jump on uh stan's idea after he spends the night in jail and he comes home and megan who should be flipping out that her husband you know stayed out all night and didn't come home she seems a slightly off put by this but as soon as he reveals that he spent the night in jail and he's going to try to quit drinking. She immediately spins right back around and is, you know, crying tears of joy when he announces that they should move to California because he can't be in New York any longer. Yeah. Which leads to his pitch to the uh, partners who are stunned. (laughs) They're like, 
uh, which it's his pitch is exactly what Stan said to him. Yeah, because this this position that they've created in California is seen as like uh, a demotion uh, for whoever ends up there. Pretty much. Yeah, you're just out there, just supposed to be servicing one client because they want an on-site person. But Stan, you know, saw the opportunity to to grow something from scratch, and then he basically sold that idea to Don in such a way that Don was like, "Thanks, I'll take that." Yeah, and you know. <laughs> But it is, I mean, these partners, I, when I was watching the show, you know, unfold as it is, and you're kind of in it living scene to scene, like, I just couldn't see where it was going. But watching it, like, upon, like, second and third viewing, it is just like, yeah, of course they fired this guy. (laughs) He's, like, so out of control. I mean, I think, like, you build those early seasons, and he's so good at what he does that, and he walks around with this attitude, like... I am this company. This company doesn't exist without me. And you've believed that. But it's just like this guy just coming in and announcing like, yeah, I'm going to California. That's my decision. Yeah. And I mean, uh, this episode in particular, like highlights a lot of the uh, issues that have been building over time. Um, There's a meeting with a client and they can't find him at one point. He's at the bar. Ted has to step in. there's the uh, alcohol problem. After that night in jail, he tries to like quit cold turkey and he starts to get the shakes. Yeah, people can tell. And then there's the you know the random announcement that he wants to go to California, and you know it all builds to the Hershey meeting, the meeting with Hershey's, which <laughs> spirals out of control. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it is like a it's a very like cold dramatic scene. After he gives his little presentation, which is his typical dressed up kind of theatrical performance, but they're trying to wrap up the meeting. It is like weird how it unfolds because he hasn't been drinking for a couple of days at this point. And right before the meeting, Ted approaches him that he's the one that needs to cal- go to California. He, uh, you know, couldn't resist Peggy's beauty. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well he's given in to that and he's made a lot of promises to peggy that he has no intentions of yeah, falling th- he following is not through ready with. to keep up and uh he's just like he's kind of like look don i need this i have i still have a chance to save my life and my kids hopefully won't turn out to be animals like yours. <laughs> and <laughs> Don's like, I get it, but I mean, you know, my wife, she's on a soap opera. They already wrote her off. So <laughs> but then they go to the meeting, and Don has this breakdown over Hershey where he reveals more of himself in a public domain than he ever has through the run of the show, which is funny that this is another thing going from like season one to season six. It's like he would never, he, he was so secretive of his identity, but then it's like stuff starts to unfold. People kind of know he's not who he says he is, but no one cares. Yeah. Well, his, um, his whole, you know, persona is predicated upon one major lie and to support that lie and keep it going and to protect it you know, you inevitably have to tell countless other lies. Right. And they just build up and build up, and this web has started to come, you know, undone all around him, you know, due to his own self-destructive nature and, you know, also just because of the unlikelihood that you would be able to keep something going like that in that kind of world for that long. Like, it's just, it it was inevitably going to crash down around him at some point. And we've kind of like reached that moment here at the end of season six. Yeah, and and in this moment, it kind of seems like he looks over at Ted, who is just completely depressed, and I it, it, shell shocked. Yeah, you just seem it just feels like he, he looks at Ted and he he sees what he wishes he could have done for himself, ho- however many times ago, like to just stop what he was doing and save everything. But he's gone way too far for that, and Ted does have this chance to do it. I mean, I don't. It's it's open to interpretation as to why he lets Ted go, but... Yeah, I mean, I think uh, he understands that Ted going would, you know, help in a way that Don going would not really solve his real problems. Right. Uh, distance may save Ted because he's, like we said, he's ultimately probably a pretty good guy compared to Don and... The distance, the miles, just starting over in California is really not going to change much 
about who Don really is. The thing with this show is like there's so many like different levels and layers to it and there's there's different ways to uh enjoy the show or you know process those layers and like you can definitely just watch this show in a very superficial way and be pretty entertained by yeah, like the characters just, like, great scenes and great interactions yeah there's funny dialogue and the drama is enough but then there's like all these other subtle things and we've we've definitely used the word subtle a lot because that's, that's yeah. the strength of the show the layers and, and depth of the characters yeah and the way that they construct the episodes and seasons and and uh storylines like there's a subplot to this show and we'll swing back around yeah this episode at least and we'll swing back around and talk about it but just there's a subplot that Pete's mother gets falls off of a boat at sea and and dies and his father had previously died in a plane crash and he's divorced from his wife Trudy who has their daughter and there's a scene between Trudy and Pete where she's you know kind of telling him that he's free and he can now do whatever he wants and live however he wants and live the life that he wants because he's now doesn't have any of these things to hold him down or you know whatever right and she's talking to Pete about Pete but the writers who wrote the things she's saying could be just as easily be ta- talking about Don yeah who by the end of the episode will also be free of everything and starting you know from scratch right because when don reveals to megan <laughs> that they're no longer going to california it doesn't go well as megan says the train's leaving the station so now don's managed to get himself fired his still going to be married but his wife is going to be living three thousand miles away he doesn't have his his kids don't live with him anymore and he doesn't have a job right and <laughs> just blowing every bridge up yeah it's funny like trying to compare megan and betty like ultimately uh betty and don do get divorced but it's just i don't think don i think like the fact that like Megan is so much younger than Don, it's like she comes from like a slightly more advanced and progressive thinking generation, and she, yeah, he's just not like. There's never. I mean, I wouldn't say that there's a big emphasis on like the cla- the culture clash between the two. It's definitely brought up in different ways at different times. It's not really the main focal point, but it's just like Don really doesn't know how to treat like this new modern woman that's emerging and it's just like the idea yeah if this exact scenario had played out with betty like obviously betty wasn't on a soap opera and really you know wasn't the type to have a job but like just the idea that like she would be like well i'm going to california anyway you know what i mean right yeah he could basically tell betty how it was gonna be and that was just how it was gonna be and she was gonna fall in line because that's just what her generation would do and it's just like he really doesn't I mean Megan obviously is not like a woman of 2016 but I mean we you know which is evidenced by how quickly she get she forgives and gets over the fact that he had just <laughs> been in jail and up all night and not never came home and blah 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 but like you know she has enough of a backbone to be like you know essentially beginning the end of their marriage by just being like I'm going to I'm going to peace out yeah. see ya <laughs> Yeah which it's only going to be a slow burn from there. I mean, and I mean, Don doesn't react negatively because I don't think he cares right. that much. I mean, superficially he does, but deep down, I don't think he really cares. But like, it's just like it's it's clear that he kind of has lost some of the control that he probably used to have over things like that, and right now he's in a place where things are more or less beginning to happen to him. Which is strange because there is definitely like a a theme in this episode of decisions and who makes the decisions. And Peggy clearly has no control over what is happening with Ted and she doesn't get to decide anything. And she even yeah. basically says that to his face. Right. And Don, the master of decisions, 
the king of decisions through this just the course of this episode like loses that control yeah because there's even the scene where he tells them he tells the other partners he's going to california and ted is just like how come every other decision has to be voted on except right when, when he, he decides one, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then by the end of the episode his wife is just leaving him yeah and he is being forced out of the company right um now you brought up the pete thing and his mom uh I'd like to just talk about a couple of the funnier scenes in the episode. Uh, so Pete's mom, through ways of having her hang out with Bob Benson's friend, <laughs> this weird caretaker dude, uh, she gets thrown off this ship. But there's a great scene with Pete and his brother, Bud, I believe, where uh, they're talking to like a private investigator about trying to bring justice to their mother's murderer and he's the private investigator starts talking about no expense spared and they're like uh let's call you back <laughs> yeah they're like hold on hold they're on whoa. backing up they're just and his brother's just like well, she, <laughs> she's with father now <laughs> when you think about it it's not gonna bring her back <laughs> and then pete's just like she loved the sea <laughs> yeah i mean they're like uh pete's always kind of like this little scumbag rat character this weird his weaselly like his emotion like sw- swings during the course of one conversation are like insane <laughs> like it's like when he's talking to trudy and she's just he's just like saying like nice things and he's like going to california she's like i think you should be alone right now he's like, don't be cruel <laughs> it's just like he has like these hard cut <laughs> emotional swings in his uh dialogue and they're just great yeah, I mean, this episode doesn't really uh, reveal all that much about Bob Benson, but he is, like, in it throughout, uh, involved with... Uh, this is, like, kind of actually the real conclusion of his storyline. He is in the show after this, but this is, like, this marks the end from his build of being, like, this weird dude who's just seemingly trying to, I don't know, butter people up or whatever throughout the, the show, and once again, Pete... Uh, figures out that here's someone who doesn't, who's not who he says he is. And uh, I, there's like a confrontation where Pete kind of calls him out for this, but he's just like, you know what? I'm not getting involved in this. I've been involved with your kind before. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. I mean, he, he's also like entangled with Joan a little bit who we haven't talked about yet. And, right. you know, Roger, who is the father of her child i guess <laughs> right is that ever like a, yeah. well, does anybody ever come out and say i don't that know if it's fully confirmed i mean the show definitely sets it up to be that way i think it's when her i think it's when her husband greg is like away at the military and they like right bang or whatever so it's not i don't know if it's ever fully confirmed but yeah i mean you know roger's like suspicious of bob because basically everyone is to a certain extent yeah and you know that their little conclusion is Roger coming over for Thanksgiving dinner and Bob is just there with like an apron on and like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this bizarre thing and <laughs> yeah I mean it's probably like this episode definitely is like Don heavy in terms of its importance right and I think like the Peggy Ted storyline is also pretty well conceived but i think like if i'm gonna take like a further if i'm gonna like pull the lens out a little further and just look at Mad Men as a whole like yeah i would say because this and the reason i bring this up is towards the end of this episode once uh don is forced into this uh sabbatical uh peggy is working out of don's office just kind of doing like overtime or whatever and it kind of ends with this interesting shot from behind she's sitting in his chair in his office and this seemingly is the moment that this show has been building towards for six seasons and yet by the time it got there it didn't really seem to matter and it wasn't that anyway like really yeah when it plays out well because like even joan says to don ted has confidence that he can oversee peggy from california which and also they bring in that Lou guy. Right, but before that happens, before they bring him in, it's like, 
you're kind of like, oh, okay. Well, so yeah, Peggy's- but I think like yeah. in terms of that being like a foreshadowing moment, right? Like, it's not that that moment is when it's actually happened, but that yeah. that is still we're still on this path of her becoming uh, basically just like Dawn, and the show never gets there. Even by the end of the seventh season, which was the last, she's never. I think that I don't know if. I mean, it's hard to criticize this show because you don't always know what the actual intentions maybe were. But I think I ultimately think what happens with Peggy is disappointing. I agree. And when you look at where it where you were in like seasons two and three and four and like how it was building towards something with her, and then it kind of the seventh season she felt more of like an afterthought a lot of the time. Yeah, she and definitely takes. It like, never went to that point where you thought it might go. Right there. Well, they put they put her up. She has a nice little run in the next set of episodes after this where she's like Don's boss for a little bit and like she does like the lead on one of the presentations. But then in the final stretch of series after they get bought by uh, uh, whatever that other agency is, McCann, Erickson. Yeah. uh, After they get bought by that, her role as this rising creative person in advertising is just diminished to kind of like yeah a run of the mill so what that's kind of like disappointing for her overall arc in the show yeah because i think like i remember you know years ago like having conversations with you about this show and <laughs> when you said i think the show's gonna end with don and peggy doing acid at woodstock <laughs> well I th- yeah i think i stole that from something <laughs> oh, probably but like I-, I remember talking about how like this show in a lot of ways was like about the women and like the female empowerment and kind of like the evolving uh attitude towards women in the workplace and stuff like that and i and i think that that at the time that those conversations probably took place earlier in the show's run that they were completely valid and quite possibly you know accurate but by the time we get to these later seasons it's like it felt like a little underdeveloped and I think like especially with her. Yeah, things I just think shifted. I just think there was potential for more for her character or something, but I agree. And well, I it mean, just didn't go down that road, I guess. The dynamic between her and Don I think was always like the most interesting to watch throughout and they do give you like one last scene where they're on the phone together in the last episode, but it is overall disappointing the way it plays out. Um just between the two of them. I will say this, Roger Sterling, possibly like the funniest character <laughs> in TV. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, definitely <laughs> up there. Yeah, no, um, he's he just like, every scene with him is just so great. Yeah, he has some great lines in this episode, too. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, characters like him and um, uh, Cooper and people like that, you kind of see how the changing of the times and how business is done and women's place in the workplace and kind of just uh, the evolving society kind of like makes people like that like obsolete as it goes on because it's like by the time you get to these later seasons it's like what do those two even do right like nothing yeah they were just rich and they're they're just names attached to this thing yeah it is kind of like the ironic thing of the people forcing Don out. When you look ar- around that room, it's like Ted wasn't there. Right. And the uh, all the ones that were there, it's like none of them really could do what Don and, and Ted or Peggy do. Right. And I mean, it is like I this was like one of the things Don is like horrible and shady. And it's like you understand why everyone gets pissed at him at different times. But when I was like watching this show, it's like, or I don't know. I feel like most people, you just, you root for him. And it's like when Peggy kind of turns on him, you're just like, this dude basically gave you a career. Yeah. I think the the Peggy specifically though is more understandable because of their dynamic. She's essentially like a daughter to him. Right. Or at least if she's not a daughter to him, he's a father to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's constantly seeking his approval. And so inevitably, I think just the way things play out with situations, I think there would there's bound to be like some clashes, you know. 
Right. So uh, she's like maybe the one. Okay, but so, <laughs> exception. Yeah. All right, I can buy that. But uh, so they're in this partner meeting where or whatever it is where Don's being uh, told that he's going to be whatever put on leave, <laughs> even yeah. though they want to fire him, but they're making it sound like it's a temporary thing. Uh, and Joan. Now the whole reason Joan is a partner is because they set up a deal with a sleazeball from Jaguar that she was going to sleep with him and that would he would give them their vote out of like a three-person panel to give their advertising business to their company right don was the only person who told her not to do it yeah and she did it anyway because ultimately she felt like at least in my mind you know she's been one of the people that's been running this place for quite a while and she deserved this partnership which is fine, but I mean, you know, Don was like the one person that was just like, it's not worth it. Like, Yeah, and you could look at that in a couple of different ways. Like, you could look at that as Don being uh, a good guy and basically trying to protect her from something that she could regret and it wouldn't be worth it. Like, you know, all the money and power in the world wouldn't be worth, like, selling yourself like that. Or yeah, you could be looking at it like... He doesn't want her to be a partner. Or you could look at it like Don is acting naive. Like his chivalry is actually misguided because it's it's actually uh, like sexism disguised as chivalry. Right. Meaning he's protecting her from herself, but she doesn't need protecting. And she's a woman who's comfortable with her body and her choices and she is capable of making her own decisions. And so he's kind of out of touch. He treating her like how he probably thinks women should be treated, which would be like delicate and yeah, but you know, but ultimately she's not cut throat. Yeah. And she's completely fine with her decision. Right. Like, she understands what she's doing and is just like, well, whatever. Yeah. The end result for her. So it's kind of like you're not really sure how to read. I was yeah, I was never sure how to read that. Yeah, scenario. that's true. It When you're watching it, it feels like a very genuine moment from him. But I believe it is. I don't think he was doing it to prevent her from being a partner. I was yeah, just saying that's right. one way you could possibly. Interpret um, it. But it is I just from a viewer's perspective first run through it was just like i just felt like it was a brutal scene like he looks over at joan she won't make eye contact with him yeah because you know what he there's a lot of truth in what he says in that moment about him putting up with a lot of stuff from them like each of them have have had their own roger has been equally out of control i mean maybe not to the point more so remember when he threw up (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i mean the, the thing is like Roger really pretty much is like untouchable because he, I I mean I don't know like Cooper's like the president or something but it's like Roger's dad like started that company with Cooper or whatever or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it is true but he looks to Roger too who has been, you know, it, Don doesn't really have friends but if he does like Roger's probably been his closest thing to a friend throughout the series and Roger's just like you'll get no comfort here. I mean, he's just like, try to see it from our side. And it is like, I, re- I remember watching this part. Yeah, because we'll, we'll find out in season seven that Roger like fully believed that they were going to bring him back. Right. And, you know, he eventually does kind of go to bat for Don to try to get him back in. Right. Um, he wasn't really aware that that guy with the glasses and I don't know his name. He uh, yeah. he basically for whatever reason has always Cutler. been against Don. Yeah, which I don't really know it why. It seems like he mostly turn he he kind of turns on him throughout the course of this season cuz he's really even though he's like a villain on the show, he actually I think really is just like a normal businessman and he sees everything that Don does and it realizes that it's just completely out of control when i would watch this i would be like god that cutler dude is like just so evil he just wants don out of there but it's like when you watch this full season he's just kind of witnessing these (laughs) things that don keeps doing and then he just is a complete blubbering mess in this hershey meeting (laughs) and it's just like (laughs) i mean he's like why do we want to be in business with this guy um 
but yeah, yeah, I, it was just like a, but yeah, I was like buying into this thing that, you know, Roger's saying that like, this is just temporary. And then it's like Don walks down and in just brutal fashion, Duck Phillips is bringing in just this ass clown loser douche from a, a, a different advertising company, Lou Avery. Who's well, he's got like a pretty cool idea for a cartoon though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don, I think, I guess fully realizes at this point that they're replacing him. Yeah. And it's just like, whew. Yeah, which obviously, you know, sets the stage for um, an interesting start to the next season, which would be the last season of the show. Yeah, split into two parts in modern ways. Um, My biggest complaint about this episode, no Jane. Yeah. Roger's second wife. I mean, if you want to talk about... Super (laughs) hot. Just like one of the most attractive women i've ever seen what in a TV marriage series. that was to like roger and jane they just remember it's just like i don't know if it's like the fifth season or something it's just like it just gets to a weird point in the show where like it's there's like episodes where roger and jane are just like doing acid together <laughs> and like taking a bath and talking about how they're getting divorced on acid or something like that <laughs> it's just like what a life roger's constructed well like the first episode after this one i i think it's just like roger Waking up in, like, a hotel room with, like, 12 naked people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Roger is such a legend. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, just ensemble of chicks throughout a TV series. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, it's crazy to think that uh, What's-Her-Face from 10 Things I Hate About You is just quietly on the show as, like, Ken Cosgrove's wife. <laughs> Quite Larissa Olney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just, like, you know parsley on the plate yeah just <laughs> oh man. hanging in the back i mean it, so much so that they make a joke about it in one episode where like don and megan and pete and all them they, like they're all at dinner together and no one can remember what uh ken's wife's name is <laughs> <laughs> and she says it or something and they all blurt it out at the same time <laughs> that scene is so great <laughs> oh but man. yeah i mean megan draper whoof. i mean january jones yeah i mean the whole friggin' smoke show thing <laughs> inspired by her. Yeah. I mean, for, for those who don't know, and that's pretty much anyone probably, <laughs> she's on a show now called uh, Last Man on Earth, which is actually pretty funny. And uh, the main character <laughs> really wants to have sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> and he calls her a friggin' smoke show or a friggin' smokehouse. Or <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I think it's smokehouse. smokehouse. Yeah, I mean... Where would you put out of like the greatest show, the greatest television shows that you've watched? Where would you put Mad Men just like overall? I mean, it's definitely in my top five. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. What else would be in it? I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of shows that people like. (laughs) No, I said you. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, maybe number two, right behind the wire. Yeah, I mean, I think like the. The four like main shows of of what people you know embarrassingly refer to as the golden age of television would be like Sopranos, The Wire, Mad Men, and Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I think like a lot of people would probably put uh, either The Wire or Breaking Bad number one, and whichever one of those two wasn't number one would be number four because I think it it says a lot about the type of person you are (laughs) depending on which one of those two i actually would be in the camp of putting either mad men or sopranos number one which for a lot of people i think would be two and three in whichever order um i think most people that write about television probably have the wire and then i think like the majority of people would probably put breaking bad because that was by far the most watched out of those four. God, Breaking Bad stinks. <laughs> no, Breaking Bad kidding. is a good yeah, show. Yeah, like it just... I would have it number four if I was at just out of those four shows. I would rank it fourth because it was very, like, um, one-dimensional, yeah, the pro- straightforward plot only. Right. And the plot was great, and it was exciting, and the last episode lived up to the rest of the series, yeah. and... It was enjoyable, but like, I can't really. I mean, I'm sure there are going to be people who think this is crazy and would totally disagree, but like, I don't, 
I never had any desire to rewatch anything from Me that. neither. And I've rewatched The Wire and Mad Men like three times each. <laughs> yeah. And Sopranos. I think it's it's really hard to say. Like I think I, I understand why The Wire would probably be um number one for like a lot of reasons. Um it, culturally probably the most significant um and you know sociologically <laughs> but like i don't know for some reason i think the the risks that are taken in mad men and sopranos are just kind of like more interesting i agree but here's the thing about mad men is it too many seasons <laughs> <laughs> i like five seasons i think five is like a good um well sopranos did I six know. uh what did Breaking Bad do? Was that six? I think it was five, but with the, you know, that five yeah. A, five B. Yeah, I don't know. Like, although I mean, that me- fifth season of The Wire really doesn't like hold up to after three and four. Uh, yeah, that storyline better the- than people make cre- give it credit for. Though. I I like like a lot of the storylines with like the uh, drug cartel still cartel. But like the whole thing with the serial killer and McNulty. Yeah, there's the a lot of the newspaper stuff the is reporters. a little silly, but I don't know. I thought like some of the endings for some of the characters were well done. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was the ending was I, great. I think, like I my love expectations the of the fifth season were so low, maybe that I was like, well, this is not as bad as people were acting like. Oh no, I definitely didn't think it was terrible. Uh, and I I love like the ending montage where you see all like the characters moving into different roles. But, I mean, I guess we could talk more about that on, like, a Wire podcast. Yeah, keep dreaming. (laughs) (laughs) I only reference it, you know, one every... Yeah, can we also somehow get, like, a Sienna Miller from Mysteries of Pittsburgh reference into this episode? (laughs) We'll just talk about how unbelievable she looked in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really think that um, my feelings on Mad Men overall are fully formed yet. I mean, we're only, like, what, a year or so removed... Or was that two years uh, since the last episode? That might have been two years. I don't know if that I was. I think it was last uh, last summer, right? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, probably. It wasn't that long ago. But right. So, I mean, I think, like, it's a show that, like, I can come back to probably in the future and, you know, really decide my overall feelings on it. I know, because, like, I still feel like every time... I get into like a discussion about it or rewatch some stuff or read something about it. You there's, forget there's so more, much. Yeah, there's more to peel away. There's from so some much of the to decisions. talk about. I mean, it's like you go back and you're just like, it's just like they'll just randomly throw you a, a scene in season six between like, like Peggy and Pete will be standing there with like Pete's mom and like Pete's mom will be talking about Peggy and you're like, oh, that's right. Pete and Peggy have a kid. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just add that to the list of like the things that seemingly are uh, underdeveloped or left. You know, kind of just hanging out there in the wind, <laughs> right? Um. So, any final thoughts or? No, I think we covered quite a bit of ground there. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um. Kind of uh, disappointing to uh, what ends up happening with Betty and. You know, Megan's more or less out of the picture for a lot of the very end of the show. Right. But, you know, that's how it goes. Don, to, you know, settle their divorce, just like writes her a check for like a million dollars. And he's just like, all right, go away. I also think to kind of like put a, you know, punctuation on the Peggy where she ends up. I think the whole thing with like her ending up like romantically with Stan was like really yeah that, yeah and and really those out scenes of played out really cheesy at the end too I felt like it just felt beneath that show yeah like it, it was funny that Roger ended up with like Megan's mom <laughs> like they could have like teased it yeah they could have like been like mm, maybe there's something but yeah, they, they went all like in on the it. last shot of her is like him putting his arms around her and like kissing her on the head or something it's like something like that it's just like oh yeah, it felt beneath the show, and it felt right. beneath her. Like, like I said, there it's they seemingly 
we're building her up for great things on the show and like it really like peters out there and then maybe she just like wasn't like there needed to be like there needed to be like another generation of peggy before the last shot of her should have been like you know that scene in like Shawshank Redemption like Brooks was here she should have just been like <laughs> kicking over a chair hanging herself in her office <laughs> like Peggy was here alright let's wrap it up there <laughs> alright folks we are out of time we'll have to see you next time <laughs>